The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When the days were completed for their purification according to the law of Moses, they took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, He took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself, a sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So we're celebrating today the Holy Family. And in today's gospel, which portrays the presentation of the Lord in the temple, all of the characters come out. And then even some more unique characters like Simeon and Anna, the prophetess. So it's a very dramatic scene. And if you pray the rosary, it's one that you would contemplate praying the joyful mysteries, the fourth Joyful Mystery, the presentation of the Lord in the temple. And I want to just try to bring all of this together because we're still in the octave of Christmas. If you're not familiar with that term, the octave of Christmas, the eight days of Christmas, because it's such an important celebration, the church gives us eight days to celebrate it, to make sure that we really eat and drink and celebrate 
as is only just to do. So the one word that stood out to me as I was reflecting on this tonight was really there at the beginning. And it's the word consecrate, or here it's consecrated. Every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, which, is to me, which means to be set apart for a holy purpose, for a godly purpose. But here's the point that Jesus was consecrating himself, even though he was God, he became a man. That's what we're celebrating during Christmas time, right? That God became a man. So he's being consecrated, or you could say he's even consecrating himself for you and for me. Because he didn't have to do it for himself. But he was there, and of course Mary and Joseph were carrying him to the temple. But they themselves were offering him because they knew that he was born to be offered for our sakes, to save us. So right from the get-go, his mission is very clear. His purpose in becoming a baby, in becoming a man, is very clear. I'm consecrating myself. I'm setting myself apart for a godly purpose, namely to save humanity, to redeem humanity. And that's, that's something that he didn't have to do, but it's something he chose to do. He left heaven. He left the comfort and the glory of heaven sitting at his father's right hand. To enter into our human reality, which was not so much fun <laughs> or perfect. And he chose to be born in a, in a stable with a bunch of smelly animals around. And I like to reflect on that at Christmas time. None of us got to choose who our parents were. None of us got to choose when or where or how we were born. But Jesus did. He was God. He got to choose all of that. And that's why he chose such special parents. Think about that for a second. If any of us got to choose our parents, you can imagine we would choose very special people, right? Perfect people. Well, Mary was perfect anyway. Joseph was nearly perfect. Poor Joseph. You know, if anything went wrong in the house, it's like, okay, yeah, it's my fault, right? I admit it. I'm sure they didn't rub it in his face. You can be sure of that, right? But the point is, Jesus then chooses to be born in poverty, in silence, obscurity, without pomp and circumstance. I always like to highlight that. Because he didn't want to come down fully grown with thunder and lightning and trumpets blaring. He didn't want to come that way because he didn't want us to be afraid of him. He didn't want to intimidate people into following him. But rather, he comes as a baby. Girls, are you afraid of a baby? No. On the contrary, right? You're rather drawn to a baby, right? Yeah. 
We're all drawn to a little baby. And that's what he wanted. It's a good little philosophical riddle. Some philosophers refer to God as the unmoved mover. So if God is an unmoved mover, how can he move us? By attraction. Ooh, there's a good riddle, right? By attraction. So God prefers to draw us to himself by attraction. And by being born a baby, he accomplishes that. So we're drawn to him. And we're drawn to Mary and Joseph, to their life, to their example, to their faithfulness, to their relationship with God. I mean, if we think about that, there's Mary and Joseph, and they're looking at this baby, and they know that's God. That's how God chose to relate to us, at least to begin with. And then he grew, it said there at the end. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So they got to relate to God and watch him grow. And they themselves grew. They grew with him. And that's a great thing for all of us to contemplate. We've all grown up in families of one kind or another. And some of us are still growing, at least physically, right? But we're all called to keep growing in wisdom and love. We're all called to to keep growing in spirit and in truth. In communion with God and with one another. That's a beautiful invitation to receive that in faith, like Abraham did. Another fun fact about that first reading, when we didn't read it tonight because they took different pieces of the reading, and but when God invites Abraham to go outside and to count the stars if you can. It's not that there were so many stars in the night sky that he couldn't count them all. It was daytime. So he couldn't see a single star. Just like there was no evidence of offspring. It was daytime. Because if you read a few lines later, it mentions how he goes out at night. And night fell or something like that, depending on the translation. So when God invited Abraham to go outside and count the stars, if you can, it was daytime. So he couldn't even see a star. That takes faith. So God is inviting us to live by faith more and more and not just by sight. So that we can realize and appreciate what the family really is. It's important in and of itself. It's the foundation of society, of a healthy society. Mom, dad, children. But then there's something more there than meets the eye, as we say. What John Paul II was so keen to observe as a phenomenologist, that's the kind of philosopher he was, a phenomenologist. So what does a phenomenologist study, girls? (laughs) Phenomena, right? Yeah, of course. Right? So he was an expert at just looking at what is. Because sometimes 
we all take things for granted and we don't observe keenly what's actually happening, the phenomenon. But he was a phenomenologist, and so he was really good at studying what happens and unpacking it and understanding the meaning of it. And so he was very good at unpacking a family and what is a family and what happens in a family. And he said, in short, that the relationship of husband and wife and children is an icon of the inner life of God, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So God is not a solitary or singular person. He's a community of persons sharing in one divine nature. Right? Amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) And so the family is meant to participate in that and is a reflection of that or an icon, as he would say. And so God works in that and through that and with that. That's why it's so important. It's not easy. We all know it's not easy. And that's why we keep inviting God to be a part of it. As I've been preaching at different weddings, I like to remind the couple, it takes three to get married. (laughs) Bride, bridegroom, and God. It takes three to get married and stay married and grow in love and to keep growing in that communion. And so I just invite all of us tonight to ask God to help us appreciate that communion that we're all called to, even as a single priest. I'm called to live in communion with all of you, but especially with God We're all called to live in communion. And to live in communion requires what? Communication. To live in communion with God and with one another requires communication. And we all know that if marriages fail or if they struggle, it's because of poor communication, usually, right? And so we can ask God to help us communicate better. In 2024, maybe that's a good New Year's resolution. Even with God, and so much of communication, as we know, is even nonverbal. Sometimes I think when we go to prayer, we wait for a word from God or some instruction from God. And not that that doesn't happen, but God wants it to be more than that. And I like to say that's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit communicates God's presence, his peace, his joy, his affection. And yes, his wisdom and understanding and knowledge and counsel and fortitude and awe and wonder, all these good things. So just know when you go to prayer, you can share your heart and then just allow God to share his heart with you. Because in becoming a human being, he made himself needy on Joseph and Mary, just to survive. He made himself needy. And in a, in a very strange kind of way, he needs you. He feels incomplete without your friendship, without your communion, 
he feels unfulfilled. Isn't that amazing? That almighty God humbled himself to need you and to need me in order to feel fulfilled in himself as a human being. As a divine person, he's always perfectly fulfilled in the Father and the Holy Spirit. But he's now a man and forever will be a human man, human being as well. And so his heart, his human heart, his sacred heart longs for your friendship, longs for your communion. It's pretty amazing. That can kind of blow your mind if you think about it long enough. So as we reflect on all of these truths here tonight, as we receive God in a new way tonight, let's ask the Holy Spirit to communicate to us that love of God, that presence of God, and that peace and that joy that only God himself can give. Amen.